All right, everybody, welcome back to the Call to Action podcast. Today is May 12th, and uh, we have a very special guest today, Toledo head softball coach Joe Abraham. Coach, how are you, and uh, what have you been up to? I see that you're back in your office. Can you, can you tell us what you've been up to these past uh, few months? Yeah, I've been, been mostly bored, been working some, but a lot of Zoom calls. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff to do in the first few weeks after this whole thing started. But after that, it's a little tough because we can't, can't do the things that we normally do. So we, uh, our, co- our coaching staff meets every day, I mean, you know, by phone or Zoom. But, and then we do that with our players as well. But and now I'm I'm actually in the office for the first time in a couple of months doing some uniform inventory, but we're ready to get back to things and get going. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah oh, go ahead. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Coach. I was gonna say. I mean, you you talk about uh, kind of doing inventory and some stuff, but uh, after a few months off, it probably has to feel a little good that you're in the office doing some of those things. I mean, uh, a little bit back to normal. I'm I'm. You know? Yeah, it is nice. It's it's definitely nice to, to be in here and see things are intact, and, and it does feel feel a little bit normal to get back in here, which is good. What is today? Tuesday. I think at this point, right this day last year, I think we were headed to Kentucky, which was pretty cool. Yeah, NCAA's, but uh, but yeah, it's being. I've been staying in Columbus, where I'm from, with my mom, and uh, yeah, which she enjoys, but. Uh, but yeah, man, every day. I mean, it's just getting really monotonous. So it's nice to be out and about a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned last year you were headed down to Kentucky. I mean, let's. I guess we can start off talking about last season. You know, as a first-year head coach, winning the MAC title. What was what was that feeling like for you? It, it um, as it was happening, everybody always uses the term surreal, but that 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 term really applies because it happened so fast that it was it was almost like an out of body experience it it uh it, it happened so quickly in the span of 48 hours that it didn't seem it seemed like we were there at least I was there watching watching somebody else you know something like that um but it, it uh it was really cool though I mean we won and you know, just the ride home and then over the next few days having it sink in it, it was just a really really cool thing for our whole coaching staff, all of our players, everybody involved in the program. You know, since Toledo hadn't hadn't been to the NCAA's in twenty some years, it was just indescribable. And even today, you know, it's still a great feeling looking back on all of it. Yeah, and just going to the to the tournament and getting that experience. What do you what do you think your student athletes pulled just from being able to? Uh, be a part of the NCAA tournament and, and embrace that and moving forward, you know, the, the student athletes who are on this year's team, or I should say, you know, once we start up next season, uh, you know, what, what can they pull from that moving forward? What do you think they pulled from that? Well, a couple things. Uh, first, just for the, all the players on the team last year, it, it, just a great experience, a lot of fun. And, and, you know, for our seniors last year, which we had several of, I mean, it obviously capped off their careers in a fantastic way. And then for the, the rest of the girls, I mean, they, they got to go, they can always say they got to go to the NCAAs and you know, it's just a blast. And, but then also just more practically, you know, it showed our team, Hey, we can compete with anybody in the Mac. And yeah, we lost to Kentucky, but gave them a decent game and took Illinois down to the final inning. Yeah, so we can compete with anybody out there. That it showed them that 
yeah, I mean, we're not Power Five and SEC and all that, but we can compete with them. Um, so it did a lot for our confidence, and, and it made our team this year a lot less intimidated, I, I think, by when we played Tennessee a couple months ago. Yeah, we know they're good, but we're not intimidated. We know we can go out and play with them. So it did all that for the program, and it, it, just for the program in general, it, it just got us a lot more publicity, especially around the state. So it's hard to hard to say directly, you know, what direct effect it had on recruiting, but you have to assume it helped. What's what, what's one of the experiences you personally look back on and like say, wow, I was I got to be a part of that. Man, there's a lot. Um, it. it uh, I think, you know, I don't know if there's just one, it's just the whole experience at Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, it's SEC, I mean, SEC is the best league in the country more than, you know, I mean, I, the Pac-12 is right there with them, but but still, just being in that SEC stadium and environment and the NCAAs with just all the formality that's involved in the press conferences and everything else, that, that for me, just that whole experience, um, I, I didn't get into college coaching until I was in my 40s. I coached high school, travel ball. Right. So there's not a day that goes by, especially down there at Kentucky, where I don't take a minute or two. And I'm looking around thinking, my gosh, there's a lot of my friends coaching high school, travel ball, would love to be in this position. And yeah, I kind of feel like that I'm there, of course, for our team and myself and our coaching staff. But for me personally, it's a little bit for all those coaches, all those colleagues of mine that coach travel ball in high school. Coach, what is it going back? What is it about Toledo that, you know, really made you want to pursue the job? And, um, you know, after looking back at a year and a half, we'll call it, I mean, what, what are the things you love the most about being at uh, University of Toledo? Well, what, what made me interested, nothing too complicated, really. I was at Hillsdale in Michigan, a D2, which is about an hour from here, an hour mostly west of here. And I'm from Columbus, where I'd mentioned earlier, my mom is still alive and living, and all of my family's in Columbus. And, and so if I did leave Hillsdale, because I was happy there, if I did leave there, I wanted to get closer to Columbus. And I didn't really have too much reason to leave there, unless it was a step up. And, and, you know, Toledo being D1, of course, is a step up. So I had told recruits at Hillsdale when they asked me, hey, are you going to stay at Hillsdale? I said, well, what, what would probably prompt me to leave is if I could get a D1 job in Ohio or thereabouts. And, you know, I got one. So it, uh, so that, that's, that was the attractive thing. And, you know, as you go through a career, yeah, you want to challenge yourself and see what you can do you know, at the next level. Um, so that, uh, and just having a two hour drive to Columbus instead of three or 315 might not seem like much, but when you do it a lot, it's a big, big deal. So yeah, I just buzzed up here yesterday and it was nothing. And then when you have that hour, extra hour 15 to Hillsdale, it seems like an eternity. Um, so this has been a good move for me. And uh, the other thing, since I'm from Columbus and was involved in Ohio, high school and travel ball so much, you know, I, I know all the travel ball and high school coaches in Ohio. Um, so taking a D1 job in Ohio for me just made sense. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a culmination of a career and, and a building building towards, you know, a, a bigger career. Now you've now coached at pretty much every level from high school ball to, to D1. What is the biggest difference that you find from a D3 school to a, a D1 school coaching-wise? <laughs> 
coaching wise for me, it's the, the real fine line um, trying to figure out who is going to help us win games. It, it, the, the talent level, the higher you get, just take Major League Baseball, for example. You know, the worst team is going to win one out of every three games at worst, and the best team is going to win two out of three. So nobody thinks a thing when the worst team in, say, the American or National League beats the other one two out of three or even sweeps them because the talent level is so close. And it's the same as you right, as you move up in softball divisions. The talent level between us and anybody else in the league is so close that it's hard when out there recruiting to delineate between two girls or however many it might be. That's the biggest difference. If you're at D3 and you've got somebody that, oh, my, man, I'm watching. We're recruiting this girl, and she's at least a D2 player, maybe D1, so you know she's going to be a stud for you at D3. That, that's a little tougher. I mean, it, for us, it takes somebody who would be a top player in the country for us to know for sure that she's going to be a really, really good player in the MAC. Right. Hey, Coach, uh, again, uh, kind of want you to reflect on this past year and a half or so, but um, about MAC softball in general, about the conference, about the level of play. Uh, you know, what have you learned? Uh, you, you mentioned about, you know, that everyone's so close. Uh, in talent, just what have you found about this league for people that may not watch Max softball on occasion? You know, what would you have to say uh, after going through it? Uh, you know, what what this league is made up of? Well, it uh, you know everybody, a lot of leagues and people say this, but it's it's literally true for us. Again, the talent level is so close. So we we won last year's tournament and came in seventh in the league. You could replay last year's tournament at the same time with all the same people. Miami might win one weekend, OU, Kent State, Northern, I mean, anybody, Ball State, anybody literally could win that tournament. And even the three teams that weren't there um, would have a realistic chance of, you know, winning the tournament or finishing the top few. So that's how, I mean, just, again, take a Major League Baseball tournament and throw eight teams in it. Well, yeah, there might be a favorite, but anybody could win it. You could even take a 500 team, and they can. So it's similar with us that that uh, that we don't have a single game, and that uh, that's. Uh, I guess I should like it, but it drives me a little crazy. We don't have a single game in our schedule that we pretty much know we're going to win. <laughs> that, that, that can be a little exhausting, <laughs> but um, we don't really have any that we figure we're going to lose. I mean, we know if we go play Oklahoma, we're up against it, but there isn't anybody that we can't beat. Um, so that, that, that to me is the takeaway. And then, um, uh, it, it, uh, it, it makes it tough. So you can't, you can't afford mistakes in recruiting. I mean, you, you got to get it right. Yeah. I, I think that's what I love the most about this conference in general. I've been here for a number of years now and, um, no matter what sport, no matter what sport it is, uh, I think we see that. Uh, that that anyone can win the tournament or anyone can win on any given year or any given game. And I think that's what makes this uh, conference so great is you, you just kind of never know. Um, and and uh, you, you speak to it there for sure. It, it, the other thing I find cool about the MAC, and I know you get Northern and Buffalo, but those are still close Midwest. So you've got 10 of the 12 schools in Ohio and Michigan. So at least in softball, for the most part, the players on the teams know each other. They played high school, travel ball with each other. And even if they didn't play with each other, they all know of each other because most of us recruit within the Midwood, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, et cetera. 
and and uh, so everybody knows everybody, which is kind of a neat thing. I, I like that at least. Yeah, I mean, if you could talk a little bit about um, this season, I know uh, you guys were eleven and twelve before the season eventually got canceled. But what were just your thoughts heading into conference play, and where did you think your team was at? We we were at where we thought we were going to be about at. That, that's a poor sentence, but uh, <laughs> we were about where we thought we were going to be. Um, I think we went 0-4 or 0-5 against Power 5 teams. We finished up with, a, I think, a 2 or 3 to nothing loss to Indiana. We, we had Tennessee beat, and almost of them lost in nine innings, and that would have been a nice win. But um, uh, So we were, you know, against non-Power 5 teams. I think we were 11-8, and 8, something like that. I might be a little off. Well, yeah, that's right. We played Stanford twice, so 11-8. and 8. So we were doing pretty solid. We knew we had our Aaron Hunter number one pitcher back, and she was having a real good year. We were worried. We lost a ton of offense from last year. And so we were really worried about that. And our offense wasn't quite as good as it was last year, but it was it was a little better than we thought maybe it was going to be. So given that, we were at least as well off, maybe a little bit better going into the league than we thought we were going to be. And it was just a matter throughout the league of whether our offense was going to step up. Because we had the pitching, had solid defense, so we just needed to keep scoring runs. Coach, you mentioned about the travel ball and everything. Um, you founded a, a, a team, uh, Buckeye Heat, correct? Yeah. And, and uh, what what is doing that uh, and, and kind of developing that team and just being with travel ball, what, what has that meant for your career? It, it, uh, it was one big aspect of a few things. The Buckeye Heat um, emanated from – I was coaching in Worthington, suburb of Columbus, uh, what they call a house 14 and under team, just Worthington girls for a couple years. And that team happened to be pretty good. So we played tournaments rather than just playing midweek league stuff. And then that kind of developed into a tournament team. And then other girls in Worthington said, hey, can we have a tournament team? And okay, we'll do that. So it became kind of an offshoot of what the Worthington Youth Boosters and then a couple years later, like all travel organizations, you start getting girls from the outside, and and then it it just happened. I didn't really set out to create the Buckeye. Then once we started taking a lot of girls outside of Worthington, we changed the name by about 2001 or something like that, and it became the Buckeye Heat, which is still around today with however many teams. It, it, it was a lot of work. Yeah. It's having 12 teams and administering it, and, but, but it uh, – having founded that and sending a lot of girls off to play college. And then the teams that I coached happened to be very good and, and made it to the, really the top of a, we were in the top couple in the state and playing the big national tournaments, ASA nationals. So all that helped my career quite a bit along with fortunately having a lot of talent on my high school team. I mean, I remember, I mean, not, not that it was at the same level, but I remember playing, um, travel ball and heading down to, you know, the Buckeye elite tournaments and the wood, wood bat league in, in Cincinnati for a couple of years when I was in high school. I mean, those are some of my best memories, uh, you know, from just playing baseball and stuff like that. Do you have a, you know, a, a favorite moment from your time, at least coaching those teams? Yeah, I think I do. Um, it, it, uh, in 2006, uh, we had 16 and under team that I coached, Buckeye Heat, and uh, we were really good, full of all-state players. 
and we were at a ASA. Now the big thing is PGF. You know, the, the best teams go to the PGF Nationals. That didn't exist back then. So the best teams went to the ASA A Nationals. And this year it was in, in 2006 in Seattle. And you had to qualify. There weren't any gimmies. You weren't going to sign up and go. And in, in the end, three Ohio teams went. So we're playing in a national qualifier in Shreve, Ohio, which is by Worcester. And it's a straight double limb. There's no pool play or anything. And we lost our first game. And it was like 130 degrees out and humid. You know, it was misery. And uh, we ended up winning, I don't know, five or six in a row Saturday, Sunday. Um, to win that tournament, beating, I think we beat a team from Oregon twice in the finals, beat a team from Virginia, team from California. It just happened to be in Ohio. So we played all day Sunday in that heat to win that, and know, then knowing we're going to the Nationals, which is the thing, that, that that's the one thing that sticks out the most. And we did pretty well in Seattle. We went 5-2. and two. I think we got 32nd out of like 150-something, wow. something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And that's back when Ohio teams, Ohio travel teams, mostly weren't doing that. Now Ohio softball's picked up considerably in those last 15 years. Well, I was going to say, do you find it difficult to, you know, compete against the teams that can play year-round, you know, in the South and, and things like that, even in, even in travel ball and high school ball? Yeah, it, um, it, it's hard because even our um, travel ball teams, they're practicing inside you know, throughout the winter and then you go down there and play those teams. It's, I'm not sure that is as big of a factor and same with us. I mean, yeah, we're practicing inside January, February, and we turn around in February and we go South and it's the first time that we've hit the dirt since October. Yep. So that first weekend down is definitely tough, but I think we, everybody quickly gets up to speed. I think the tougher thing is, is the South and the West since there's better weather, they have a better softball, baseball culture. All the facilities are nicer. The schools, whether it's high school, college, whatever, they take the sports more seriously. They, their grass can grow, you know, nicer grass. Just like in the north, I mean, you know, it's hockey. You know, especially the further north you go, we don't see big hockey culture, you know, in Atlanta or Tampa or whatever. And, and so baseball, softball is kind of the opposite. So you got more good players down there, more good facilities. So all that together makes it tough. But you know what, we, we do pretty well, really, I think, you know, when we go down there. Um, given all those inherent disadvantages, I, I think our teams do pretty well down there. Yeah. Coach, we probably should have asked this at the very start, but it just came to me. But just when did you uh, – I mean, did you grow up a big baseball fan, a softball fan? When, when did this kind of, um, you know, hit you that this is what you wanted to do or get involved in softball? Like, go back and just – let us know, you know, how, how you made that decision or what you kind of grew up with and that this is the path that you wanted to take. Yeah, I grew up in Columbus playing baseball yeah. at Columbus Walnut Ridge. And, uh, you know, summer ball, American travel ball wasn't even a thing back then. American Legion ball. And we did have a travel team, but it was mostly just guys in our area. Ended up playing against Paul O'Neill and, and uh, Barry Larkin and and I remember playing against Paul O'Neill. It was like, oh, my God, what, what is that? And it, it wasn't surprising he went as far as he did after going against him several times. But uh, um, so, yeah, big baseball player. But also, you know, I was kind of one of those baseball nerds. And I was always a fan, reading magazines. In the, you know, probably Bill James' first thing in 1981. I think I bought that, whatever year that was. And so I was, I was always – I played, but also a big fan of the game. And, and – uh, 
and they went to Ohio State, so I didn't play college. I wasn't good enough to play there. So I started playing a lot of slow pitch softball and hundreds and hundreds of games every year, five, six, seven, or five nights a week, every weekend for several years. Played a little bit of fast pitch. And then as I got to 29 or 30, I played some adult baseball for about five years against mostly ex-college and minor league players, which was pretty good baseball, especially for that age. And then as I, in the middle of doing that is when I, uh, started coaching that Worthington softball team. And after about a year, it's like, I don't have time. I'm 36. I don't have time to play baseball anymore. And I'm sore in my, you know, yeah. and, and I started getting into coaching enough at that point where just, that's when I, st I stopped golfing. I haven't golfed in 21, 22 years. When I started coaching, that was it. Baseball was done. Golf was done. Everything was done. Got it. That's cool. Paul O'Neill and Barry Larkin. Wow, that's that's big time right there. Yeah, that uh, they were a little bit better than me. <laughs> I was going to say my best, <laughs> my best experience was playing against Eric Lauer, who coaches for the uh, our pitches for the San Diego Padres. Now played him yeah, right. in high school. He was he was quite quite the athlete. That's for sure. It's uh, amazing how good those guys are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, even yeah, even at eighteen. He, I mean, he was. Pumping ninety four with a <laughs> with an eighty six slider and it was a uh, as a lefty it was tough. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> Paul O'Neill pitched and he threw low nineties and then there was a guy from Lancaster, Ohio, named Alan Anderson that we played against. He went on to have a couple good years in the majors. He was throwing low nineties. We faced him a couple times and I, I don't even know how I got my bat on the ball. You, you can hear the ball whizzing by as it comes yep. by. Uh, you know, it, it uh, I mean, it's, you know, and he, 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 even a guy like Casey Close, who's a big agent now, he was at Worthington in that area, play, era, played at Michigan. He never made the majors, and he was the best player in the Columbus area. Everybody thought he was better than O'Neill, and it's just incredible how good those guys, how, how good you have to be to make oh, it that far. Well, I think we're going to, we're going to end it with a, a couple rapid fire questions for you. Um, sure. Uh, the first one is, I know, I think you're one of the only coaches to have a, a law degree. The Ball State coach has a law degree too, Megan. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what makes you more nervous, taking the bar exam or coaching for a MAC championship? Oh, my God, that's not even close, coaching for a MAC championship. <laughs> that's not even remotely close. Uh, well, that's a good answer, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I remember at the end of the two-day bar exam, I was convinced I had failed. So I went home and immediately got out my books to start studying for the next bar in five months. And I did that for about 48 hours. I figured out, ah, let's just, unfortunately, I passed. But the, yeah, that wasn't real nerve-wracking. It's just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, and it's more of a relief to finally take the test because you study for it for however long. Yeah, right. But uh, you're coaching, especially when we got ahead in the final game, it's like, oh my gosh, are we going to win this thing? Your stomach's churning. And as I think I told you guys at the time, I didn't sleep the night before. Yeah. Zero, not one second. So you combine that with, with just in being on the verge of winning, and it's hard to describe the feeling. All right. How about a little would you rather thing? Would you rather pitch a complete game shutout or hit a walk-off uh, we'll just call it a home run. I was going to say walk-off hit, but just, yeah, walk-off win. What would you rather do and why? For me, I'd rather do the walk-off because in baseball, you know, I did pitch some and uh, 
but I was never a power hitter. So a walk-off home run would be something pretty sure why I've never had that. So yeah, given that I'd rather have that walk off. Plus now, but you know, they didn't do this back in the day. Now as you're running around and unfortunately the girls don't do this, but the guys, you know, you're rounding third and you're running to home, you flip off your helmet and all that. That that seems like that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. And then I, I think our, our last question would be if you had a walk up song, what would it be? Oh my God. Actually, the girls asked me for that this year. We never got to use them. Um, and I have one, man, that's a tough question because there's a lot of songs I like. I got one of our assistants here. Z, what would be my walk-up song? That's hard. Um, yeah, it is hard. <clears throat> yeah, it, uh, eh, see, I don't know. It, it Too many. Could be the Allman Brothers. Yeah, something. It's a matter of what I like as opposed to what would be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it classic always, rock, mm-hmm. like Almond Brothers, uh, Marshall Tucker Band, something, something also kind of whimsy and probably sarcastic, mm-hmm. all that combined. Love it. It wouldn't be anything from today, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the last twenty years, I'd give the audience a little break from all that nonsense. <laughs> Man, or today's country, good lord. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time with us today. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you out there on the softball field soon, and, and we'll get back to playing. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, we'll coach. see you soon. Take care. All right, take care. We'll see you guys.